like to know about the cover of your album. I'd like to know about the, the meaning of the photograph with you and the Wearing a Triumph t-shirt. What is that? No badge. Well, I'd like to know that that's an equivalent photograph. It means something. It's got a philosophy in it. I'd like to know, uh, I'd like to know visually what it represents to you because you're a part of that. Um... I haven't really looked at it that much. Really, I've thought about it a great deal. I, it was just taken one day when I was sitting on the steps, you know. I, I don't, uh, I don't really remember any very too much about it. But what about the motorcycle as an image in your in your songwriting? You seem to like that. Oh, we all like motorcycles to some degree. I do. <laughs> do you think of yourself primarily as a singer or as a poet? Well, I think of myself more as a song and dance man, you know. <laughs> another episode of the agency podcast hi candy hi eugene i can't believe it we're recording we're doing this it's been a while yes i've been i've been missing doing the podcast you know Ooh. when we decided we were going to take a hiatus i really needed to take a break for a while and and in the last you know two or three weeks i've been thinking i really miss this we have to get back to to doing it well, that's cool. I mean, I think all podcasts and, and people doing this, they take a hiatus and we didn't. We weren't it's thinking. True. Yeah. So we've done it. And maybe we won't. We'll see how we go forward. Uh, maybe we will do twice a month. Maybe we'll do once a month. Maybe we'll do or, every week. I don't know. Or maybe we'll do whenever we feel like it or whatever. Right. We have something that's to talk true. About. That's true. Now we're, so we're not going to put rules around this. Oh, we're not. Okay. All right. Because we used I mean, to I'm not going to put rules. You could put uh, rules. You got to put rules. <laughs> I'm not putting no put, rules. I wouldn't put a rule with you because I know you won't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a little cup of tea here that I didn't get made in time. So it's brewing right here beside me with a little bowl to put my tea bag in and a little pitcher. Brewing. Is the little brewing light on? A little brewing light. I wish I you remember the brewing light. No. For our listeners, many years ago, uh, Candy and I went to university together at York University, oh. and in the Fine Arts Building, there was this ancient coffee machine, and it made the worst coffee in the history of ever, and you would put in, like, your 50 cents or whatever it was, and it had a little... little sign on it that said each cup is individually brewed and when it spewed all the crap into the into the cup and then dropped hot water on it a little light came on that said brewing and we used to call it the metaphysical coffee machine that's true the metaphysical coffee machine and you know we did mention it before in the podcast and i found it we found some pictures of the type we didn't find that actual one but we did find pictures of the type and i mean i did not i drank coffee but i didn't drink it Maybe as faithfully as I do now. 
<laughs> so it would really wake me up at in the afternoon or at night if you needed a shot. That's right. In those days, we drank a lot of tea. A lot of tea. A lot of tea. And, you know, um, tea yeah. Tea and those peak cream cookies with the, right. the strawberry middles that were uh, all baked in like 1947. I should have bought a shares in that company that's for sure um you know i made cookies that are similar to that um thumbprint cookies i make those every now and then and they're sort of similar they don't have the cream filling though yes jam yum yum i'm gonna make some more this week well i suspect the uh well i guess they had like a they had cream in it that's right they, yeah they did have the yeah. cream filling like an oreo kind of they were two cookies that's right and then they had the cookie. well they they would call it jam yes. but it was this chewy sugary stuff i still love them me too i love them they're so good so i'm gonna make some thumbprint cookies because i am cat sitting for uh two of our friends megan and michelle and i'm going to leave them some cookies for when they get home oh excellent uh, if they're listening to this they'll know that now it won't be a surprise <laughs> well that's something to look forward to coming home to have fresh baked cookies that's right that's right I mean, who doesn't like that i know well they spoil me at their place they've got all kinds of treats cheese and crackers which i live on and some nice salami and prosciutto they left some wine there it was they just spoil me rotten and then i get to watch the adventures of their cats you know so that's nice it gets my cat fill because we don't have mm -hmm. any cats here well yeah i understand that we don't have any cats yet <laughs> <laughs> first one's hardest well, that's what we say. And if someone says, I have two cats, we call that a good start. Right, exactly. Okay, my tea is so, ready. I'm kind so of excited. Speaking of, of pets, you know, we had the last uh, few months of last year were very difficult for us in that, you know, we we lost our, uh, our, our dog Ruby in September to a fast and mysterious illness, and she was only six. Mm -hmm. And... Through that time, our other Newfoundland dog, George, had cancer. And in May, they told us he would have maybe three or four months. Um, but he did pretty darn well right up into, I would say, October, November. And then we, um, while well, we watched him decline, it was very, yeah. very difficult. He just kind of slowed down a little bit more every day. And I think the, the cancer eventually spread into his lungs because he was having breathing difficulties. Um, so uh, we lost George at the end of, uh, at the end of last year, um, leaving us uh, in a house with no dogs. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we've, we've had dogs in this house for the last 15 years and yeah. uh, we felt there was a big hole in our lives here. We Aww. need to, we need to get working on that problem. So we we decided we would try to try to find a rescue dog since we know there's so many dogs out there that could really use a good home. Yeah. So we we started to explore that. So we started to look up different rescues and then look up the dogs they had available. And then a friend of mine suggested that there's a website called Petfinder which is an aggregator of dog rescues. It's pretty interesting um, because you can search based on all kinds of search criteria. For okay. instance, you could search just for big dogs or just for little dogs or just for old dogs or just for puppies. Or in our case, we started searching for dogs that like cats. 
because that was the single biggest criteria. <laughs> and so, I mean, it would be a disaster if we brought a dog in oh. whose hobby was ridding the house of cats, right? That would be very, very bad. Right. So we started to explore the world of rescues. And one of the challenges, like there's Pet Finder's good and it's not good. It's good in that you see all the dogs that are available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're all in being taken care of by different rescues. And oh. every time you're interested in a dog that's at a different rescue, you have to do an application. And the applications are, well, they're long. Um, they're yeah, like eight, nine, one. I saw 10 pages. One. Um, I mean, it's easier to get a mortgage than it is to get a dog, but for all good reasons. Uh, and Having yeah. talked to some some folks involved in the the rescue community, you know they've they've seen all kinds of things that you don't want to see, and they really to protect the the dogs and to try to to get the right kind of fit, they really go to great lengths to make sure that you're the right people for the dogs that are available which I think is the right thing. And I think is a, a good thing. Yeah. But we had some odd experiences. Yeah. The first one we saw, there was a dog. There were two dogs that were available that looked identical. They were from the same litter. They were like medium sized dogs. Um, the website had, you know, had a little video of them walking and they walked really nice and and the the two dogs had exactly the same blurb and oh they love cats and everything's great so we filled out this this application form and we get a call from um this woman who's from the rescue mm -hmm. and she says well we start talking about the dogs and she can't really tell us much about the dogs and yeah. yeah, I know it says that they're good with cats, but I, I can't really tell you for sure. You see, the dogs are in Taiwan. Oh, um, Taiwan. Yeah, she said. But if you're ready for the dog, well, we'll ship them to you and you can pick them up at the airport. Oh, my God. So a Taiwan, I happen to know, is a 15 hour flight. Yeah. And if you're going to load a dog on a plane, that's got to be what, two hours either on either end. Yep. Um, so you're talking about 18 to 20 hours. This dog is going to be in a box on a plane. Yeah. So even if they sedate the dog, the dog is going to be waking up terrified and um, has no place to pee, no place to poo. Right. Uh, it's when it gets to the city here, it's going to require some time to chill and stabilize and stop being afraid of everything. Yeah. Like it just seemed like the idea of picking up this dog at the airport. It's just like, like no, we're not going to do that. That's just yeah. it just didn't seem right to us. Right. So we moved on, and we filled out an application for another dog that good with cats. It says on the on the website, and we. That's what we were looking for. It looks like yep. a nice dog, good-sized dog. We were looking for a smaller dog than our noofs, but still, yep. a, a, you know, what we like to say is if you have to bend down to pat your dog, it's a cat <laughs> or a ferret, right? <laughs> so uh, we wanted a, a, you know, a reasonably big-sized dog or a mid-big-sized dog, I guess. Anyway, we found this dog and we filled in the application and we get a call Oh, we love your application. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you can come out and meet this dog on Sunday. 
So they right. give us an address. It's darn near out in Pickering. Okay. And and we go out there, and there's another family there to meet this dog. Oh. Crap. And there's another dog there as well. Mm. Um, and both dogs are lovely dogs. And yeah. the people who are fostering them are there too. So yeah. we talk to them. They have no idea if these dogs are good with cats or not. <laughs> so they put it on the website, but they really don't know. Right. And the foster said, well, I mean, we don't have a cat at home. How am I supposed to know? Yeah. So we talked to the, the person who was like the, the appeared to be the chief organizer of this outfit. And, and said, well, look, these seem like really nice dogs. If if they're good with cats, either of these dogs would be a great fit in our family. Yeah. You know, and particularly the one, it just seemed just a really lovely dog. That would be a super fit. So she said, you know, we're going to cat test these dogs. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put cats in front of these dogs and see how they react. So that's great. Um, so we go home and we hear nothing. Oh, nothing. Just radio silence. What we had expected was some kind of follow-up email. Right. Something, right? Right. Saying, oh, yeah, it's going to take weeks to cat test these dogs, or we aren't going to cat test these dogs, or, um, yeah, we've done it, and, the, and the, this dog would be great for you. Something. But yeah. we heard nothing at all. So after about a week, I sent a nice email to them. Yes. Uh, enthusiastic, saying, hey, we had... Uh, a really good experience meeting these dogs and you know you were going to cat test them whatever exactly that means and um how's that going and you know if uh if one of these dogs is good with cats let's move forward right and we get back the next day an email not dear eugene and sheila nothing like that not mm -hmm. signed by anyone mm -hmm. it just just a two-liner that said if we have a dog that we feel is a good fit, we will contact you. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. And I, that's what I think my dad would call the fuller treatment, the brush. <laughs> you know, I think we were being brushed off there. Was it something we said when we were there and they thought, oh, these, these people are secretly mean people who aren't going to be good to the dog or I don't, know. I don't know. I do not know what that was all about. Maybe they had five other people ahead of you. Maybe they did. Yeah. We still haven't heard anything from them. Right. And both dogs remained on the website for quite some time. One oh, of them really? is still on the website. Right? The other one is now gone. Aww. So is this the same place that um, was sarcastically replied to your um, application? Somebody wrote back, you filled out a very long application form with lots of information. They asked you lots of information and you gave lots of information and somebody emailed you back and said that was quite the application. Well, they 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 did say they, they thought it was a great application. Okay. I don't think they were being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they were just being very positive. And uh, then it was just radio silence after that. Yeah. So, uh, so we... Oh, oh! The other thing they said in their two lighter was, "We think you should look for other, look, uh, investigate other rescues in the meantime." Oh, wow! Right, so they were just brushing us off for whatever yeah. reasons, but they didn't want to just tell us why. Um, oh, and you don't want to know why. So anyway, we moved. We moved on, and one of our neighbors sent us a link to another dog mm -hmm. that was a very similar looking dog to the one that we had oh. seen, and oh. we filled out the ten page application again. <laughs> And sent it in to these folks. And I got a really nice call from somebody um, who 
said, you know, we're going to ask you a ton of questions. It's going to be really invasive and annoying. And we're sorry about that. But really, we got to protect the dogs. And we don't want to have to home these dogs twice. And we want to try to find the right people. And please understand and be patient. So I thought, okay, (laughs) I'm there. All right. So we talked about that particular dog. And they said, well, you know, this dog may not be the right dog because it's super, super shy and maybe overwhelmed by your six cats. But, you know, we'll talk with the foster, (laughs) the person fostering this dog about it. In the meantime, we like your application. We're going to process the application. We'll do a virtual home visit. Uh And if this dog doesn't work out, we get dogs come through. And if there's one that meets the criteria, well, you're all ready to go. Yeah. I thought, well, this is good. And... We fill out the application um, and then they get, got back to us and said, you know, the dogs had a chance to live with the foster some and um, we think it's going to be a good, uh, a, a, could be a good fit. Would you like to to meet the dog? Mm. So uh, the dog was in Campbellford. Okay. Which is east of, east and north of Toronto, like east of Peterborough. So it's about a two hour drive a little over two hour drive but um that's okay um we went to meet the dog and um oh she's delightful yeah uh and she's now our dog oh uh, we, have, we, have adop- we have adopted her her name that's so great uh we have changed her name she came with the name Taya. Um, and I don't know if that was the rescue who gave her that name because she wasn't super responsive to it although okay. she was uh, clearly aware that people called her that. Um, <laughs> but her first buddy when she hit Toronto was uh, our neighbor's dog, Clyde, and they became okay. instant best friends. So we decided we would name her Bonnie. Oh, so cute. And she is a shy girl. Um, when she meets new people, she's quite shy for a few minutes, Aww. especially um, men. If um, if someone on the street, if a man on the street strides up to her and wants to pat her, she just backs right away. Okay. Um, but you know, give her a, a few minutes. She she comes around with people. She's she's very loving. Um, she loves all the dogs. Very nice. Uh, she's got a fair bit of energy. Um, uh, she really needs her long walks. And so I'm doing long early morning walks <laughs> with Clyde and Clyde's human and another dog, Dia and 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 her human. And oh we God. go way out into Sam Smith Park and do brisk long walks. So right. after the first two or three days of this, well, <laughs> my knee was killing me. Yeah. Um, I had some um some tendonitis appearing in my in my ankle. So I'm oh. getting through all of that because I just wasn't used to. Well, I was used to George walks, which yeah. are where maybe we'll get to the corner and yeah, because yeah. he wasn't going very far. Yeah. So it's good for me. I'm getting lots of uh, lots more exercise and um, it's a joy for body because she gets to see her buds. Yeah. Uh, and the cats. And oh, Bonnie and the cats, uh, they get along just fine. Isn't that um, wonderful? Now, Phyllis, who we call Bunny as opposed yep. to Bonnie, um, uh, is actively trying to become best friends. <laughs> um, she has her little bed beside uh, beside Bonnie's bed, and she likes to sleep beside her. And... So she's doing very, very well. She's a really That's lovely great. dog. Uh, we don't know. People keep saying, well, what, what kind of dog is she? And I say, oh, wait, one? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because... 
don't really know how to answer. Right. The, uh, the the rescue folks thought uh, she was uh, purity slash lab. Okay. But I'm going to say that I don't think there's lab in this dog. Okay. Because we have labs in the, the neighborhood. Has she been she's, to the lake? She's been down to the lake. Yeah, she hasn't been in oh. the water. But it's well, kind I would of, say kind that's cool. a sign. I would say that's a sign. But you think uh, it's too cold for her to be interested? Uh, well, we haven't really given her an opportunity. It's ice. Okay. All right. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but her, she doesn't have a lab snout, and she's longer and slinkier. Her body is much like a coyote body. Yeah. So I was thinking I might start telling people, oh, she's 35% <laughs> coyote. We got the DNA done, you know. <laughs> and just make that my story. Right. Oh, yeah. 35% coyote, 6% wolf, and um, <laughs> in the rest, mixed breeds. Well, she's all wolf. All dogs are all wolf. Yeah. So anyway, she she kind of has the Pyrenees ears, and she's nice. white, but she has looks a lot like there's husky in her too. She's okay. got that funny husky eye thing. Okay. That, that huskies have, um, like blue eyes or something, or yeah, the one eye is kind of they're sort of different colors and okay, you know, it's, oh, it's a husky thing. Anyway, yeah. she's a lovely dog. We're very very happy to to, to have her on board. Yay! What a great thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So what have you been up to? Well, you know, a little of this, a little of that. I I just kind of working on my paper for a conference. And this is the same conference you've gone to in the past, right? Correct. Out in New Mexico. I have taken a break from sewing. I'm going to bring out the sewing machine, I hope, after we do our podcast sometime today. Probably late this afternoon, I'm going to sew a couple of things because I really miss it. It's been about a month where I took a break and had to work and reading and writing and all of that stuff. So, um, hoping how's your paper coming? Uh, you know, it's different. It's different in the way that I'm not even meeting any of the criteria of a paper. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it doesn't. I think well, you've, you've been there flow. enough times that you can pretty much do what you want now. I think. Well, you know, the thing is, um, I don't see any need to. I'm trying not to repeat myself, and you know, I'm not. I'm not easy on the listener because I do jump topics. No. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a question of how am I going to jump that topic? I see. And um, you know, sort of give some hints and and lead in. Uh that's it. You know, I found a lot of weird numbers in, um, I've been reading, uh, I'll talk about some stuff I've been researching, but right now, just that I, you know, have completed both the new Cormac McCarthy novels. Wow. Good for you. Uh, I've read them twice, um, uh, many times. And I had to go back in time to try and see if I could figure out some of the dates because there's dates in the book. So then I had to carefully read when he says the next morning the next morning or today or tonight and i figured out that a plane it starts with a plane salvage you probably know that already yes they dive down well i figured out that that happens on november 17th 1980 so i feel pretty good about figuring that out and it's interesting because um there's a you know there's been in the past the number 117 in cormac mccarthy and oprah asked him what that meant and he said he doesn't remember anymore <laughs> good answer <laughs> yeah good answer well i liken it to vernon who we had on the show talking about joker and he said that someone asked the director why are all the clocks the same time and the director says oh, i didn't even notice bullshit you, you know if you didn't notice then you're not paying attention to your set director so 
you can't not notice that. When yeah, that's right up there with Bob Dylan telling reporters he's a song and dance man. Well, that's the thing. And it's interesting because it ties into a little bit of what my paper is about. Um, and I, I'll, I'll get into that further. Um, but right now, just so I've read the book twice and I figured out that November 17th, so 117 is a number that came up in the past in his novels. So the, the apocalypse in um, The Road, I think, happens at 117 in the morning or afternoon on the radio clock. 117 shows up in No Country for Old Men. And the counselor's 117 minutes, just for an example. And people have tried to figure out what does this mean? Is it from the Bible? Blah, blah, blah. And so I started looking at the numbers, of course, and I found number seven, the word 17 on page 17 in the passenger. And then I found the number 17, the word 17 on page 11 in the Stella Mars. And I thought that was interesting because it kind of echoes the 117, but it makes it 1117 kind of a thing. And then I noticed that they both characters, it's a brother and sister, they, they have a recollection of Mexico and being on a trip in Mexico. And that trip appears on page 117 in each separate novel. Now, that might be the most amazing coincidence on the planet, but it's odd. It <laughs> and is so odd. I'm just, I'm just looking for stuff like that without a conclusion, without worrying about it. Sure, and, just um, observing. Just observing. So that's, I think what that's the way that's the way you I think to start anything is to is to watch and think. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know, obviously I'm aware of the number 117, so I'm looking for it. But to actually go and notice it on 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 page that is interesting with the content of the page on both two different novels. Well, that's and, also interesting because if you're writing a manuscript, yes. you don't necessarily write that manuscript. Um, in pages that are the same length as pages in a published book. So if you wanted to have the number 17 appear on page 17, you would have to work at it. You would have to work at it. Um, you know, I told you in Blood Meridian on the 25th anniversary edition, the number 46 shows up three times references on page 46. Now, it doesn't happen on the original issued books. It so comes it could be an improvement. Correct. I, I argue that it is an improvement because um, he is now a renowned writer and he was probably able to paginate. So right. there's pagination and I think he had a voice to be able to paginate and put those 46 men sleeping in 46 blankets under 46 stars on page 46. It, How cool it, is that, huh? It's so cool. and um, and And it ties into my argument is that this is if you look at um, my example is Edmund Spencer, who two people, it took them 100 academics, 300 years to publish about it. Why did it take that long? Because people didn't talk about it. And I think that's what I'm you're alluding to when you said Bob Dylan's not going to explain himself. Cormac McCarthy's not going to explain it. And neither is, you know, you, yeah, the director of, of Joker because you want someone to find it. It's secret for two reasons. One, well, of to course, and and as well, if you could, if you wanted to just write a one sentence explanation, well, yes. then there's hardly any point in writing the novel or reading it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's supposed to have a reveal, and uh, you're supposed to have a reveal. 
That's you know, part. you know, uh, my painting teacher, uh, Ronald Ronald Bloor, used to used to say that he would never talk about the content of his Correct. paintings. I, and I, so, I so if anyone asked him about that, he would say, "Well, I use oil paints on masonite, and I let the paint dry, and I use power sanders, and I use chopsticks." Yes. Um, and that's really all he would talk yes. about is that yes. the technical part of it. Um, uh, you know, let the mystery be. Yes. And um, as that's Iris Dement saying. Yes. And that's what you're looking for. You're, you're as an audience, that's part of the fun. Um, and not everyone is bearing um, a suppressed design in their work. Not everyone is, but tons of visual artists are. And they might even be rebelling against that, or they might not be thinking about it. It doesn't, it can be unconscious, it can be conscious, but I'm looking for proof that someone did it consciously. And, you know, I feel I found enough stuff in, in McCarthy to say that it is on purpose, but the time will tell, you know, time will tell. But anyway, the number 17 and 117, um, finding those weird, um, you can also can't find every number between one and 20 in both novels. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if it means anything or if it's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think my sister said something like, oh, God, you know, it sounds like OCD. And I said, well, maybe McCarthy has OCD because she, well, be. she was saying course, I did. So, sometimes. <laughs> yes, of course. Right? So, I said, hey, wait, maybe McCarthy has OCD. Sometimes, though, a coincidence is just a coincidence. Absolutely. Sometimes a coincidence is just a coincidence. In Edmund Spencer, it's not a coincidence because he has um, he has pagination. He has numbers, he has symbols of numbers, and he has celestial activity. His numbers and his work come out to be science or or uh, nature observations. Um, in the poem the fair in the poem the uh, fairy queen, it's all it can be broken down into celestial events and numbers and dates and calendrical. That is, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be people who say that's just a coincidence, and then there's people who argue that it's not a coincidence. And that's why you have to look into art making in the past. If you have the cave paintings in Lacau or any of those preliterate cave paintings, there's often handprints. Well, those handprints are five. Right? It depends how you look at it. Mm -hmm. They're not finger painting. They're not babies. You know, they're doing something. And maybe the animals are, you know, hunting dates. I don't know, but it could be dates for hunting. Who knows? What isn't a coincidence is that we have a guest today. Mm. And we had a plan. And our plan, by the way, yes, yes. was we were going to talk for five minutes and then introduce our <laughs> guest. But we just aren't very good at following plans. No, I we're think. not. No. But, but we we'll do have, an, we have an excellent guest. And, and our guest is, is a great friend of our podcast. And our, our listeners will have heard us read emails um, from her many, many times. Right. Um, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you know our guest? Well, I know her from doing craft groups together at the Buddhist temple. And we did um, several craft things where she's an extremely um, talented artist. Um, she went to art school and she knows the history of Fluxist art movement and data. Uh, she she knows a lot. She posted the, the ping pong, didn't we? She, she, she knows a lot about film and and um yes, different a, a very so, interesting listener and a very interesting artist yes. and she's a quilter a modern quilter right you could say yes. uh, and and adam andia is going to talk to us today about quilting 
Um, we're very happy to have um, a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine in Chicago, a quilter, artist, extraordinaire, Adamandia Capsalis with us today. Welcome. Hi. Hi. I great hope to I meet you finally. Right. Yeah, it's great. Good. Uh, yeah, so Eugene, you get to finally see Adamandia. You've heard about her. She sent us emails. You've probably been our best email you know, more I don't want to say best. I don't want to make anyone jealous. Um, the very <laughs> consistent um, emailer to the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we're easy to please, but we love those emails. <laughs> yeah. Encourage more people to write in. Okay. So let me just try. Eugene, I don't know anything about quilting. So kind of bear with us. But I know, I know you as an artist. I knew you as an artist probably before I knew you as a quilter, except we met in craft groups. But tell me how you moved from art school to um, art practice to quilting. And what, did it all happen at once or? Um, oh, it took a while. Uh, I, I, I'm a collage artist um, and I find quilting very similar um, as I don't buy um, like a collection of quilt fabric, I use, I thrift and use um, other quilt uh, guild members fabric. So it's like collecting images from magazines and books um, as in collage. It's a great point. So does, does the seeking out of the materials, uh, thrifting as you call it, um, does that influence the the results or how you think about the quilt you're working on? Yeah, because um, you have to problem solve if you want a certain color and you don't have it or or whatever shape the scraps are in could influence what you're doing. Okay, and, um, you know, right away, uh, we're going to share some pictures of your images, but you're not necessarily doing conventional, what everyone thinks of as the mathematical, diagonal, repetitive pattern. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I it's it's boring for me to do a, a the same block over and over. <laughs> I can't. I have to you know play with it. And um, traditional uh, quilting uses a repeated block over and over, uh, whereas some modern quilters still do that, but the colors are uh, more bold. Um, yeah, I I I design my own quilts. I don't use a pattern. Um, and and it changes from what I start with as I'm working. Um, each step, uh, I don't. I try to just stay in the moment and do that, and then see what I'm. Step back and uh, go on from there to finish product. So it's like Im improvisational quilting. Yeah, definitely improv. They call it. <laughs> you do. Uh, yeah, it's called improv quilting. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and I, I did not know that that actually was its name. And um, you use some unusual fabrics. It's not, again, this is the other thing that's different is um, I do love quilting fabric that you see in the fabric store. It's super cute. Yeah. Um, but you, um, you're using um, maybe denim, it looks like, or linen, or uh, yeah. it looks like a real variety. And you have a kind of a darker tone to many mm -hmm. of the quilts you do. My most recent quilt was with denim, but I ran into the problem with uh, women's denim pants or have a lycra in it. Yeah. And it 
doesn't do what you want it to do because it's stretching when you're sewing it down. So I had to do, it was, it, I had started in 2020 at the end and I just, I didn't go back to it for a while. It was all lumpy. So, but I like using um, any, any thickness wool. Wool is, I like using wool cause you don't have to uh, put the edges under mm -hmm. um, for raveling. You could yeah. just sew it down. So, yeah, any anything, I, and I want to get into like um, vinyl and like wallpaper. I don't know. Oh. It it everything is, is uh, inspirational. Oh. Try using it. You just have the the technical hurdles, like how yeah. you how yeah. you sew vinyl how, or yeah how yeah so vinyl silk are hard, difficult, challenging. They can be. But the challenges just make it better. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah, have, do you have a, an idea of the, the kind of scale you, you want to achieve when you start a, a quilt? Like, um, do you do it in sections or do you think, oh, this is going to be a big one? Um, I used to just work, you know, you make the top first. And um, so that, that would determine the size. And then when I was happy with it, I'd stop. But the last quilt I had, a, a quilt member gave me a bunch of scraps and yardage that her daughter didn't want anymore. And um, I started out working on the batting size. So it came out pretty much near 60 by 60, which was a, what the piece of batting was. So that was different. That one was more controllable. I knew the ending, the size, but when I'm doing it uh, the other way, it could be any size. <laughs> so that would almost fit on a bed 60 inches by 60. That's a, quite a large quilt. Yeah, they they consider that a throw size. Okay. Um, so like on the couch. Or but a lot of what you're making is a wall piece. Yeah, I, I make generally for the wall art an art yeah piece do people ever see your works on a wall and then want to use it in a more traditional way you know for those cold winter nights <laughs> not yet but i i was thinking you know if you use batting it's like a tapestry it'll keep you know insulation so if you cover your walls with quilts it'll, it'll be nice Nice what a cozy. great idea yeah. what a great idea actually it's a wonderful idea <laughs> yeah well actually the um g's g's band quilters black african americans mm -hmm. um they did they put covered their walls and then made they'd have a few quilts on top on their beds oh, um because wow. they didn't have um good heat wow. so when you when you started quilting did you look into all the quilting traditions and and uh, the kinds of work that uh, other people have done and uh, other cultures have done? Um, I did start looking at, I like the history of it, um, even though I don't want to copy a, like a traditional American quilt. Um, just for practicing uh, how to put things together, I've tried um, different traditional blocks um which i find keep 
come out wonky anyways for me. I don't know if I just have to practice more or uh, or put them together in a different way. That just made so, me but think it's a learn, learning. Yeah. So would you say that the, even though the uh, visual, finished visual is quite different than what we think of, of uh, the American quilt tradition, um, mm -hmm. Little House in the Prairie or something, would you say that your style of sewing, the technique is the same? Or do you yeah, some your feel same. have different sewing? Somewhat the same. Because okay. um, there's only I mean nowadays you could you could uh um there's a interfacing that you could use that has glue on it so you could uh -huh. um you could iron the heat, heat activate the glue and glue it onto a back which wow. um, that sounds like cheating. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really like glue. That's why I got away from collage to sew. Ah, right. So oh, I don't. I don't really use it. But glue a, is a challenge with collage because it looks so good at first that you glue it, then you're like, why did it melt? And I was yeah. watching videos of roll using a roller to collage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With yeah. collage, you can you add to what you're doing, but you also can subtract. You can glue stuff on and then rip it off. Do you ever do sub subtraction when you're quilting? Mm. Yeah, well, on the denim quilt, it it was it had a big um, pleat and a lumpy pleat, and I I cut it out. I cut. I was like frustrated. I was like, forget it. I'm not doing the whole quilt over. I just cut out the section, and then I I pulled over the remaining flap and sewed it down. Great idea. Um, I've also covered over, uh, like, I did a, a quilt uh, with uh, scraps from other quilters that were making masks for the pandemic. Um, and there was these little triangles on, on each corner that were scraps, but they were very, very small, like half, half inch or less. And I, I sewed those two together and uh so there's it was like just multicolor so yeah. some of it you couldn't read and i had wording text oh. in it you couldn't read it so i i just applied a little another color on top of what i had sewed together oh yeah because i think some of yours appears to have distressing on it and i wasn't sure yeah. if you were distressing it but it the textures are just beautiful yeah well it depends you know how much you quilt it which is the sewing of all three layers um changes the texture a lot and um i was surprised with the amish quilts that they're very um abstract and simple and the way i've only seen them in photographs but um recently i saw one where the lighting was to the side so i could see it and, and it was all this complicated feathery curves and, and it, I was so disappointed because it was so simple and minimal. Oh, interesting. You know, the... Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you hang out with quilters that do the old style? Do you have do you have meetups you, with your group that you do now? Is it still like a quilting bee at times? You said you shared um, a linen with them in fabric. You trade. Yeah. Um, 
um and zoom one like about 10 of us are have met every sunday and wednesdays um and we've made quilts for a few um of the members that were having uh babies so we each made nice. a block and then it went to one of our houses and um got put together and quilted and wow. also they participated in a it was called a, a bee where um each of the members of the bee designed a quilt and then we made the blocks for them and mailed them to them and they were to put it together mm. um so that was that was fun how does your modernist movement in quilting match up with um traditional are they accepting the community of traditional quilters is there a crossover or anything um i read an article where um there was a show i think of maybe both kinds of um quilting and the traditionalists got very upset at certain uh technique i can't remember exactly uh -huh. the colors or something and uh it was said in the article that some they saw some uh some quilters crying on the curb. Oh dear! <laughs> <I was> so <laughs> upset that that was being done and, and called quilting. Oh dear. Well, I I can see it. You know, I, I'm involved with playing traditional music, and I see how some people who are really locked into particular old traditions have trouble sometimes accepting ways of approaching music outside of those traditions. In other words, they want you to follow the rules. Yes, yeah. Even even in modern quilting, for a time I, I heard about that they didn't want anybody to use uh, pattern fabric. They want to be all solid. But now it's it's more accepted you could use whatever. Oh, well, so the so modern quilters had rules too. Oh, yeah. I everybody has a, rules. <laughs> yeah, people knew <laughs> what you could do with them. <laughs> Wow, that's so interesting. I didn't realize that restriction either or, or, or guideline or, you know, way to aim because those kind of rules also can make you be quite creative. Yeah. Yes, because, of course, you could do whatever you want. I mean, rules are rules, but. Mm -hmm. Yes. Jean, did you know that there's a quilting museum and it's only about six hours away from Chicago? In which direction? South Paducah, Kentucky. Ah, and I did not go to the museum, but I did go to Paducah. And actually, of course, I thought of that. You went to Paducah and you failed to go to the museum. Yeah, I don't what know why. What were you why. thinking? I don't know why, because I knew it was there too. Because one thing led to another, and then the museum is quite big. And it, I realized, well, certainly don't have time. It was a day trip. But everywhere you go in Paducah are quilts hanging up at the um, welcome office, the tourist office. The restaurants have quilts. Um it's just amazing. There's quilts everywhere. So I did feel like I was at a museum and I would call, there was probably half and half, a lot modern, a lot of modernist ones. Maybe we'll have to do a field trip to Kentucky. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. I, that, I think Adam, Annie and I have to go. You better come down to you, We should go to Paducah. Yeah, well, cute town. We all go and it's a cute, cute town with great restaurants. It just looks oh, like a, a great destination. And it's on a, 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 a waterway. I don't know what the waterway is, but so there's a, like a river culture as well. It's a very mm -hmm. cute town. Um, very cute indeed. And only six hours away. And only six hours away from Chicago, really. Maybe six and a half. 
but it's not far at all, really. Um, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Definitely stay overnight, go for supper, be great. Mm -hmm. um, can you think of, you know, I was thinking about quilts in pop culture. And um, the first thing that came to my mind was the AIDS quilt, which would have been in maybe 90, yeah. 1989 or something or 90. Do you remember that, Eugene? I remember yeah. it happening. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you what it looked like. Well, it looked like very different stories, and it was all pieced together. It was massive, it like the size of a city or yeah, something. I think, I think it was about each different individual people, actual their lives and how they dealt with it. Correct. Wow, that's that's a pretty powerful idea. It was very powerful. It really it really was incredible. So yeah, they might tell you their biography or they sewed things that that person liked that had died of AIDS. That wow. was very. I good. bet it's beautiful. Yeah, I wonder where it is now. The other thing I thought of was like fashion in the seventies. A lot of like jean dresses and clothes were made yes. to look like they were they were um, made to look all like quilting clothes. Right. Yeah, which was there kind is, of cool. there is a resurgence in fashion now, um, with, mm. which is a big issue with traditional. Oh really? They want all of them saved. <gasps> oh, because they're using actual quilts to make. Oh wow! And and if you look on eBay, there's like uh, quilts that are called cutters because they're some of it's damaged, mm. um, and you and they could be sold for making coats or whatever dresses. Right. Well, one thing I did look up. It's kind of interesting that that's going to that was that maybe quilts. They're about th oh three five thousand years old. People have been quilting, and. Um, one of the trends was maybe in Turkey where it was for military. So it was all these layers of patched clothing for protection. Oh, yeah. And then it maybe started crossing over into bedding or warmth or something. But that's kind of cool that and an interesting controversy that that it's being reclaimed and the quilters even want the cut ones saved. Yeah. So I guess the, the very traditional hardcore. Yeah, yeah I guess it's like you know, I guess you could really see the work of hand sewing on it and such. I can I can see yeah. why. Yeah. I like the idea that when you when you make a quilt, in a way you're you're putting yourself in contact with people who have done that activity for such a tremendously long time. I, I think similarly with, with painting. Sometimes when I'm painting, I think of the first person to make a drawing on a beach with his finger. Yeah. her finger yeah. um or um a pictograph on a, a rock in the middle of a lake somewhere mm -hmm. um i i feel like i'm in touch with that kind of image maker uh just through the same kind of gesture you know yeah another thing with uh you were saying with the turkish people um yeah. the japanese people the farmers would patch their coats and uh, blankets and um, for and they would last for hundreds of years because they would just keep catching them. And after that, it moved to the like middle class where they made it more decorative. And it became an aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I guess that that's what quilting was. The American quilting was for you're in you're in the middle of nowhere. You don't have access to stores, and you're re purposing clothing that's worn out or curtains that have worn out or baby yeah, clothes. Anything. That's where patch quilt came from. Ah. They were patching. Ah. 
and Eugene, there's something called cut right. And then they would maybe have enough to make a pattern, but then crazy quilts were really using. There's such a thing as crazy quilts. It's a real thing, Eugene. And Is it with a K? I don't know. I think it was with a okay. C. <laughs> I think it's with a C. It's not like crazy cat. Um, and so then they would just use any fabric. It didn't ever have to match again necessarily. It could be completely random. Yeah, and those those quilts were done by the upper class. Oh, they, they would use they would make their own clothes, and they'd have some velvet left over, some silk, mm -hmm. um, and they'd applique it on a a backing fabric, and also they would it would be I think it was raw edge. I'm not quite sure though, and they would embroider the edges so it it became very. Uh, loud decorative right i don't know you know gaudy, gaudy. <laughs> well that sounds really um in theatrical and intense it does um other things i was thinking of quilts was um margaret atwood's alias grace has quilting in it um there's a painter called robert mars who watched his wife quilting and started putting it into his artwork in 2014 and that became quite commercial i but think putting the actual quilts in the artwork no, he'd copy them. He'd paint them. Oh, he'd okay. Fabric into the part of his. It looks like a collage, but it's all painting, I believe. But we should double check that. Also, Michelle Obama, that beautiful portrait of um, there was two oh, portraits right. done for um, for DC, and her she's wearing a quilted dress, or parts of it has patches on it. Yeah, that's quite iconic. There, there is a. Um... Oh, I can't remember his name though. There's a, a African American artist that oh. does use uh, quilts and paints and makes 3D sculptural things. And yeah, I know who you mean, and I'm blanking on his name too. There's a big piece in, uh, in Chicago downtown at the uh, Contemporary Art Museum, I think. Mm -hmm. oh, oh. Yeah, I don't know if that's all on the art. Sanford Biggers, maybe? That might be it. Yeah. So it is, it's amazing. Well, you know, it, it ties into the 70s fiber arts too, is that taking this worth of what was women's work and always considered something domestic, God forbid we have anything domestic be um, uh, uplifted or to, elevated. To high art or fine to art. To high art. But in the 70s with feminism, it did become, it did become elevated. And many, many artists started working in fiber and, and clay and, mediums that were really thought of in the home in the kitchen yeah and um I, I think it was in the 70s there was a show um of quilts that was collected by a couple um and it it was it brought it, they were all you know abstract and but these were like traditional quilts but um they were brought to i think the museum of modern art in the 70s mm. and, it, and it brought it to the forefront and people i think that influenced people um mm. they were calling them paintings right oh. yeah it's a really cool show yeah very cool very cool um what else do i think of? oh i know somebody who got he's the tap dancer and tap instructor at old town school reggio and he got my co-worker to make him a all of his favorite t-shirts. He had so many t-shirts. She made them into a quilt for him on his giant bed. Yeah, yeah. He had to sew it onto a linen because t-shirts are stretchy like your female jeans. 
Yeah. Oh, contemporary female jeans. You could also use that interfacing with the glue to. Oh yeah, the... yeah, that would be good too. That'd be good too. So I thought that was kind of cool. My friend Jenny, who listens to the podcast, she made her son's jean denim quilts when they were little babies, little boys mm -hmm. on their little beds. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I know. I love it. What about and photos on quilts? That became a trend too. Again, kind of commemorative if you got married or someone passed away. And I think that might have come out of the AIDS quilt a little bit. I don't know when that yeah. got in. Yeah. And the technology improved technology. for photo transfer, yeah. right? Yeah. You could have, like, there's fabric uh, companies that just print fabric. Uh, hmm. Like, uh, I don't want to say the names, but. Right, we don't uh, want to say the names. <laughs> But yeah, so you could print anything you want on fabric and, and include it into your, your work. Right. Well, I definitely, when I was in school, one of my instructors was like, you should be a textile artist. And I was like, I don't want to be a textile artist, but I painted very repetitive um, flowers and repeating things. Now I'm like, oh, I totally want to decorate fabric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about I, you? I've, I've wanted to... Uh, Someone gave me, speaking of like materials, inspiring, inspiring, inspiring. Yes. Me, um, someone gave me a bunch of writ dye and um, I was like, well, I wonder if you could use a stencil with them. And I, so I looked up on the internet and uh, Googled it and I found that you could use a uh, contact paper and then dab straight out of the bottle, the the dye and uh, and uh, make repetitive uh, oh. things. So yeah. I I just did one block and then I got distracted, but it's still an idea out there on well, my list. Oh, that's good. You know that you just reminded me of something else. It's not really quilting, but it, it could work with quilting of painting a decorating fabric is there is a medium now that you add acrylic paint to for fabric so yeah. you don't you don't just put the acrylic paint on stag used to do that all the time decorate people's jeans but you mix it with this medium and then you paint it on fabric and it makes it pliable so when you're wearing wow. it it's not all stiff right yeah it's yeah <laughs> that's an issue is if, it, if it's stiff or bleeding it, it doesn't feel as nice yeah or look as nice so a number um, of years ago i i took a, a course about identifying mushrooms and there was a woman who was in this course who was interested in finding mushrooms that have dyeing properties so that she could dye fabric for different kinds of artwork she was doing and oh, yeah. she had she had discovered eight or nine different um commonly available in the woods uh fungi that um that if you soaked in a pot of water would produce um, a mild earthy dye and she could get an amazing variety of colors out of it. Yeah. There's other, other plants. I think you can even use cumin um, and goldenrod maybe. And well, there's indigo. Uh, big tree Onion peels. That. Yeah. Onion peels make a great. The only order. thing they don't, they don't last as right. long. That is true. You have to be careful or with right. some light. Right. When I was in elementary school, I was on the Quadra Island, and one of our projects was to 
you know, dye wool and dye paper and dye fabric. And we had to make it from plants and things. It was pretty cool. So the, the, I remember the onions because it smelled bad, but it made an incredible color. Yeah. Right. And, and I think we tried putting vinegar as if that was going to help. I don't know. I think it's supposed to, yeah, help it stay. Yeah. yeah. We used to throw that in red dye too. Yeah. And mess up our mom's washing machines. Uh, yeah. Then you have to clean yeah. it. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I am fascinated by the fact that you mostly improv your quilts and you're going to, uh, we're going to share some pictures on social media and people could reach out to you when they see how amazing your quilts are. Our listeners are going to want to have some. So you could DM, just message Adamandia, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, they could go to your Instagram account as well. Right. Which we will share a link with that as well. Yes. Great. Yes. Yeah, and we'll share you on our Facebook page. And I don't know, you'd be a damn fool if you didn't look at them. They're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Have we well, covered thanks everything? very much for, for joining us, Adamandia. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you and get a better idea of the work you're doing. Uh, Candy and I have both been um, watching the work that you've posted um, for quite some time. And uh, it's, it's really interesting in its invention and its variety. Um, and it's fascinating to me to see uh, quilting being treated kind of like painting. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do some painting too. Um, <laughs> so I think they- Mandy is an incredible artist, really. I, I like trying everything. <laughs> no, that's amazing. You try everything. Your felting is beautiful too. No, thanks, yeah. What is felting? Oh, I'm, I'm really dumb about some things. That's all right. Can you describe that for us? Um, felting, you could, I, the way I've done it, I've crocheted things and then you put them in the washing machine on hot. So they shrink up like you shouldn't put your sweater <laughs> in there. <laughs> and then, so it gets denser and, um, you get a, a more solid form, but I also also used uh, sheets of already ready-made uh, wool and cut felt rather and cut um, shapes out of there and then applique them on my quilts. I so see. Beautiful. So beautiful. I love it. I love felt. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, and we'll see you um, on the um, on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> On the on the Googles. <laughs> on the interwebs. On the interwebs. <laughs> Bye. 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 Hi. Um, that was great. I'd like to thank Adamandia Capsalis for talking to us about quilting and her art career. And um, we're gonna share all kinds of information and her Facebook page, her um, Instagram page for people who are listening to uh, check out her work. You can order it from her. She's she's delightful. Very, very creative person. And Eugene, you finally got to talk to her in person. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was really looking forward to that. It's, it was fabulous to uh, uh, to finally meet Adamandia. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just through the wonders of Zoom. That's right. That's right. So now you were saying about the rescue. Um, it all oh, worked I'm out. She's lovely. Oh yeah, I just wanted to add one thing, and that is okay. that the the rescue that um, we we got Bonnie from was called Just Pause, 
And I just wanted to say that, you know, well, we had maybe a slightly rocky experience getting there when we dealt with Just Pause. They were super professional, um, really on the ball, really communicative. And the Fosters who were looking after Bonnie were fabulous, creating a loving, stable environment for her. So if uh, if you're in the Ontario area and you're looking to adopt a rescue dog, um, I highly recommend Just Paws Rescue. Uh, they do a fabulous job. And yeah, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. It's worth it. Um, okay. I, I can tell you um, they're there to support you. And during that first week when, you know, you have like a trial week before you commit to uh, the dog adoption, um, we did texts every day. Um, mm -hmm. I shared pictures and we discussed how, how the dog was doing. Um, so I felt that we had a ton of support from these folks. Right, right. Um, so they're a really good organization and um, and I give them the highest recommendation. Fantastic. Very good. Love it. I'm very happy for you guys. She looks like a real sweetheart. Yeah, she is. And um, Eugene posts lots of pictures of her on his social media pages. So everyone can see her. And um, hey, if you're coming back after our hiatus, thank you so much for coming back. We really appreciate it. We've missed, we've missed doing this and we're glad for our listeners. Thanks for listening. I wanted so, to ask you, Candy, yeah. have you uh, have you been out to the movies at all? Have I been out to the movies? Yeah. No, I don't think I have. Not since the one that you and I saw. Um, we've seen a couple of movies when I was in Canada that we didn't talk about. We saw the um, Banshees of Innisfil. Is that how you say it? Innisharan. Innisharan. Yeah, we saw yes, that. Yes, a movie. fiddle movie. A fiddle movie, yes. yes. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. And what a, um, what really a wonderful good, film that is. Huh? Wonderful film. Really depressing. <laughs> um, but good too at the same time it had a lot of honesty it's these two guys in Ireland and they decide not to be friends one of them decides not to be friends and the other was really taken aback by it and it's inexplicable why um, it's, but in the meantime there's yeah. they're on an island uh, yeah. I guess off Ireland and they see on the mainland there's civil war going on yeah. and of course the the theme I think has a lot to do with we don't know why these two can't get along we don't know why those guys can't get along either yeah. yeah yeah and it was beautiful looking beautifully acted it was the two actors who were in one of my very favorite movies in Bruges. Bruges. oh they, what a great movie that is too movie huh? that is too yeah so they got reconnected in a very unique way and the way the story begins is so unique it feels like a psychological thriller at first it feel or psychological and then it turns into you know action between these two men and their neighbors and the pub and and there's some great music playing and it's pretty impressive. Yes. And then there's another really important character who's not one of the main characters and that's right. the sister of of yep. one of the main characters um who who does something completely crazy. She leaves. Yep. Rather than stay and just dig her heels in take sides and endure the madness she just says no there's a better life out there i'm going by and off well, she goes exactly and she's you know, showing us that you know there's always another way there is another way and you know the falls of civilization they used to teach kids that we don't know why but they collapsed well we do know why they walked away it's not a mystery they walked away daniel quinn says if you're tired of moving stones walk away and that walking away can manifest in any kind of way. For instance, in South America, with a, you know, with 
with a very strong control system, people simply walked into the forest. They just they just left. They didn't contribute anymore. Um, I don't know how we but might. Do there it. have been days where I thought about walking into no, the forest. I have to say, forest, for sure, for sure. Um, and the, yeah, the sister was very good. Uh, we saw another movie. Well, we also called that everything everywhere all at once is going to be best picture. And I sure hope it is. I think it will be, but I don't know for the Oscars this year. I think it will be best picture. Any, any film that has Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> with hot dogs for fingers, it's got to be the best picture. That's, gotta all, be. that's all I'm saying. It's got to be the best picture. Story about a daughter and her oppressive parents, and then how she plays that out on her daughter. Very good. But that's that's just the heavy plot part. There's so much else going on about time travel and different dimensions. If you have not seen that movie yet, you have to, and we called it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Sheila and I went out to see another really interesting film. And, you know, I wasn't thrilled about it when I saw it, but I can't really stop thinking about it. Mm. It's a very curious film. It's called The Broker. It's a Korean oh. film, and it's starring um, uh, uh, Song Kang-ho, who was the father in Parasite, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Very well-known Korean uh, actor, apparently. I mean, I don't see a lot of Korean films, so... Um, yet. And, yet. Um, and it's about these guys who are in the business of uh, selling babies, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, women who want to abandon their babies for whatever crazy reasons in their lives can do it. And then these people find homes for the babies and collect money. So they've got a business of selling babies, brokering babies, they're baby wow. brokers. And there's these guys. And then there's the woman who abandoned the baby reappears on the scene to make sure that her baby finds a good home. So we start to learn about her story. And then there's the police who are on to these guys and they're following them around um, while they're trying to find a home for this baby. And the really this really strange thing starts to happen is this incongruous group of people start to form kind of an oddball family. It's really wow. strange. And I can't quite get my brain around it. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's um, it's a very compelling kind of slow film, yeah. um, very character driven, really very beautifully done. And I'm going to give it a cautious recommendation. I think it's really good, but yeah. I'm not even entirely certain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just before I canceled Netflix, I did watch a couple of things that came out on it, um, sort of ch changing gears here. And I think we have a difference of opinion. I loved Glass Onion. Loved it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It had me. A different, I know you didn't. I said that. I thought we had a difference of opinion. <laughs> um, I loved all the satire and, and digging at rich people and, and digging at pretentious art and uh, social influencers or whatever you call them on, on uh, Instagram and such. I really enjoyed it. Loved the clothes. Loved the setting. Thought it was a lot of fun. And Ryan Johnson is the person who created that. He did Knives Out um, and he did the movie Looper, which is a great movie. Um, my late son-in-law loved his first movie, Brick, um, but he's got an incredible TV show called Poker Face and it's on Peacock and it's incredible. I don't even know what Peacock is. 
it's a streaming app for NBC, I guess. Oh, okay. So I that I makes think, sense. Yeah. And um I, I don't know where it would be streaming in Canada, but it's absolutely fantastic. Uh Natasha Leone is the uh main character, and she's a little bit like Columbo. She has a gift for recognizing when someone lies. It's like a it's like a tick she has. Ah. So if someone says anything that's not truth, she she'll she'll know it's wrong. So it plays out in very interesting ways throughout the um, storylines of her accidentally stumbling across murderers across America. So she is hiding from someone who's out to kill her. Of course. She starts out in a casino. That as, goes without saying. Right. She's almost like Nomadland. She's, um, she has to be on the outside and travel to stay safe because someone's after her that she turned in for murder. And... Um, She's a little bit like Columbo. In fact, I noticed the text on the um, graphics is like Columbo's yellow. And last night when I watched an episode, what came up was the year in Roman numerals. You remember that, how it used to be on old TV shows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't see that anymore. I was never very good at figuring it out. I always oh, yeah. have to try to piece always... it together and it's always gone by the time I figure out what oh, year yeah, it is. Oh yeah, I'm pretty good at it. You know, Ro Roman numerals are not Roman and they're not numerals. Did True you know that. that. I didn't know they weren't Roman, but they're clearly not numerals. Yeah, they're not. And they're not Roman. They are in every culture, everywhere around the world, all the way back to pre-literate. In fact, that would be connected to the hand marks. So what's 117 in Roman numerals? Oh, God. That should be. <laughs> Great question. That should be C, right? Is it M or C? Now I forgot. You tricked me. <laughs> oh, it's M. Isn't it C? Because it's like century? Yeah, I thought 100? so, but I think it's M. Oh, I don't know. That would be Millennium. No, no, no. That's C. It is C. Yeah, it is C. Um, so C, X, V, scratch, scratch, one, one, I, I. <laughs> I think that would be it. Okay. That's a great question. Oh, there's 17 chapters when you put all the books together. <laughs> of course there are. Yeah, the two books together. Back to that. Um. So anyway, she's extremely charismatic, the actress. Her character is very lively, and uh, she brings a lot of fun energy to it. And she she's somewhat annoying, a little bit like Columbo, too. And um, so she accidentally kind of finds out these, um, these murders and figures out who they are. And there's a guest star every episode. Again, oh, that's like fun. Columbo. Like Columbo, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Some of the guest stars are incredible. Tim Meadows, who was on early SNL. Judith Light. Adrian Brody, that's a pretty big gun. Oscar winning Adrian Brody. Um, Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, it's been really a lot of fun. I think Nick Nolte is coming down the line. Someone like that. So um, they come out every week and it's really, really Ooh. charming. And then you're seeing all these crazy characters. So it's really good writing and, and, and uh, fun. Well, I guess I have a few recommendations too. Okay. Uh, one, um, we're... Is, is current so we're watching it as the episodes drop mm -hmm. um and that is a really intelligent do you call it a sitcom maybe it's a sitcom it's called shrinking a dramedy a dramedy that's what it is <laughs> it's a dramedy i'm watching it's it about too. it's about a practice of psychologists mm -hmm. run by um a psychologist with parkinson's played mm -hmm. by harrison ford mm -hmm. and um there's two other psychologists uh, in the in the practice, and the characters are really wonderfully different. 
And mm-hmm. I guess the main character is pretty wacky. Like Jason he's really, Siegel. yeah, yeah, he's really kind of struggling with what he's doing, and he's kind of yeah. changing up what he's doing, and he's yeah. getting way too involved with his with his clients. Um, and it's you know what I really like about it? It's written for it's written for intelligent adults. It's it really it's, is. That's a well put. Yes. You know, it's it's a challenging little dramedy. I it, I think it it's, is uh, challenging. There's some strange pacing in it that yes. I have to really surrender to. I have to surrender to it. You know, and that and that's good for you. Yeah, I really like it as well. I love Jason Siegel. He played Marshall on How I Met Your Mother, and he's just a very talented person. I believe he helped create the show. He's an incredible writer. He's created characters in his past, and his character is very strange. I don't understand him. He's so different from me. Yes, uh, and we haven't had enough episodes yet to fully no. develop the characters and fully right. really figure out what's going on. Right, right. And then it's also a delight. He he really doesn't do very many comedies, and he's a terrible interview on talk shows. Um, he's like Madonna. He can't do public speaking. However, Harrison Ford is very good in this role. Isn't His he? It's like he's made is. for it. He is. I'm shocked because when I heard he was going to be in a comedy, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So, but he's just fine in it. He really is. They and have. He really plays it very straight. Very straight, and they've utilized his straight man. They really have. I mean, it's so crazy that I think he can't do comedy. He's Han Solo from Star Trek, and he's hilarious. So I don't or, know. Or why Star I Wars. Star Wars. That's right. And Indiana Jones is funny. So I don't know why I thought he couldn't do it. Um, it's just based on his talk show's presence, I guess. Um, but he is he's really good in his lines when he does say things. They're actually pretty funny because they're so droll. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So I'm looking forward to more episodes of, yeah. uh, of that one as they come out. Yeah, and that's um, on Apple. Yes. Also yeah. on Apple is a really, really weird oh. show. Uh, it's a dystopian drama called Severance. Oh, uh, right. Severance Severance is, um, imagine a world, well, it's about the ultimate in corporate cruelty. It's bad enough you have to work in a in a cubicle farm. Yeah. Um, but just imagine the next step might be brain surgery to sever your yeah. brain so you're two separate entities, an innie and an outie. Uh-huh. And the when you're at work you have no knowledge of your life outside of work and when you're outside of work you have no knowledge of your out your work your life inside of work such a terrible concept but people keep oh it's it's so brutal and just if it weren't weird enough christopher walken is in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who just adds weirdness to whatever yes, he does yes. because he's incapable of playing anything except Christopher Walken. Yeah. He just does his Christopher Walken shtick and it's so perfect in this. Yes. Um, and these guys on the innies are, they start to realize that this is really shit. What's happening in here and what's going on outside. And um, there's a rebellion afoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we've watched the the first season of it i mean i don't even know if i should uh if, if i should recommend it but 
Yeah, it's awfully good. It's it's, it's very good. It's Again. smart. It's clever. Yeah. Um, it's very very well done. I highly recommend uh, it. Uh, Patricia yes. Arquette is in it. Yes, uh, I love her. Uh, John Turturro is in it. Uh, Britt Lauer, Adam Scott, and of course Christopher Walken. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. We couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, I haven't watched the whole season, but I highly recommend it. I watched a couple episodes and I'm hooked. I when you were telling me we had a conversation on the phone yesterday and you said Severance, I thought you meant Succession. Ah, you no, but I, Succession is coming back in it March. It is coming back. Yes, yes I can't so, wait. I know. So um, and the the old man from succession i was telling trying to tell you yesterday was in a commercial during the football game the uh super bowl thing and he was pretty funny in this commercial they used his character from severance from succession oh my god don't get me an s words and the football game oh my god i wanted to watch (laughs) rihanna because i don't really know from rihanna but everybody tells me how fantastic she is so i thought i'm gonna watch rihanna at the halftime show, even though like the Super Bowl halftime shows don't have a history of being good, they're really? mostly they're mostly big bombastic bad yeah. shows in my in my opinion. Okay. The okay. worst of which, um, well, there was Stevie Wonder driving the car onto the field that was pretty bad, but also the Bruce Springsteen one. Oh man, that I one's hurting. It. That I was hurting, it. hurting. I liked Damn. it. I liked it. Uh, anyway, I thought I was going to watch it. So I tune in to the second quarter of the football game. And if there's one thing that could put me to sleep, it's American football. Uh, <laughs> and and it did. Uh, and my apologies to all the American football fans out there. Everybody loves American football. I don't dislike it. It just puts me to sleep. So anyway, you wake up? I when woke up just as, as Rihanna was finishing her performance. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> uh, but then I watched the last half of the football game, which which woke me right up because it turned oh. out to be a really good game. Very exciting. Very yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. Very exciting. So that, that's pretty cool. So um, the, the other series I wanted to recommend, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know you've seen it too, is, oh and everybody really has to see this one. You it's called Slow, Slow Horses. This one is must-see TV. Must-see. Yes, it really is. And... Well, okay. Slow just horses. if you have, if you don't know anything about it, for our listeners, it's. Let's just imagine MI five. Yep. Like every organization, like every job, they have misfits and fuck ups. Yep. Well, imagine that MI five has a special squad with a special building called Slough House where they put all their fuck ups and misfits, mm-hmm. and then they get Gary Oldman to be the chief fuck up misfit. Um, and his job is to make sure they don't do anything that's like real work. They just do yeah. drudge work. Yeah. And I have... he, he doesn't shower and he drinks and smokes and he smells and he farts. Yeah. And that's basically his character. Yeah. But he's really good at being a spy. He's very good at being a spy. Out. And of course, what happens is is the fuck-ups and misfits get, in jo- get involved with really important spy work. Um and we cheer for the underdog because who doesn't cheer for the underdog? That's right. It's a great parable for things we've talked about before, how um, amateurs, so-called amateurs, actually have more opportunity because they don't have the constraints of the professionals to have innovation. And and in a way, that's sort of what's happening here. We're seeing low-level office work succeeding and running running and finding mysteries. Um, I want to correct myself. Because my husband calls the show Lazy Ponies. And <laughs> you want to make sure that it's called Slow 
horses. Lazy but ponies. That's good. Yeah. So I want to correct it because I may have called it slow ponies. It's slow horses. Yeah. It's absolutely 10 out of 10. It's so incredible. Everyone's amazing. Um, every character is fascinating. And, and every episode so far is top notch. And you can't say that about every TV show that comes out. But this one has excellent, excellent. I can't wait till season three. We had to watch both seasons till we couldn't even stop or think straight. And yeah, we, we just to... binged them too. We could we could not stop. Uh, Gary Oldman is just brilliant in it. And he what's also cool. really fun is that they make references to, to like Smiley. to like George Smiley, and yes. and so it's it in a, in a sense it increases the reality of it because it references other fiction about spies. Yes, yes. So George Smiley, just to re recap, is the uh, protagonist in John Le Carre's books of All About Spy. And in fact, Gary Oldman played George Smiley in yes, Tinker Taylor. Yeah. Soldier but, Spy, uh, yes. He, may have, he didn't get an Oscar for that, but the movie was nominated for Oscars. Um, great, great film. I, it I is a wonderful film. You know what I love the best about the film? The color. It's yeah, the all, color. it's every shade of gray and brown. It's that, every that shade you, of <laughs> of pollution world. it's like it looks like just like pollution and yeah, grayness like my dad's office world or something <laughs> it's so 70s and then all the old trade craft of papers and the and filing paint. systems and all filing. yes there's files on everything and you have to guard the files yeah so um you know speaking of tv shows stag and i have gone to watch something that you and our friend scott recommended in 2010 Oh my. Did not get it to it till now. And I remember Scott said the first five, as soon as you start watching it, Candy, you're gonna love this show. And I just we just didn't make it till now. Do you know what it is? No. Justified. You never saw Justified? Never saw it till oh now. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, you must have been having so much fun. We are having so much fun. I'm so in love with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, I mean yeah. Season three of Justified is as good a season of any TV show anywhere. Oh, I can't wait. We're just I, coming to the end of season two, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's season three is the one that, that I really, really loved. Towards the end, I'm not going to say it jumps the shark, but it drags okay. towards the last season or two. Okay. But season two and season three, well, in season one, too, they're brilliant. They're yeah. really fabulously done. Um, I've read uh, some of the stories that they're based on too. Really? How yeah. oh, uh, Leonard Elmore? Uh, no, how Elmore, Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard. Yes, yes. So there you go. Great. That's very. That's very cool. Um, oh my God, I'm I'm in love with Timothy Oliphant. Anyway, he's from Deadwood, um, and I mean he has a a spectacular talent at playing a marshal or a sheriff. <laughs> yes, he does. And so much so that in Obi Wan Kenobi, or no, maybe it was Boba. Boba Fett, a Star Wars um, series that's on Disney. We've been watching all these Star Wars series that are offshoots from the movie franchise, and they're very, very well done. There's a small role of a sheriff, and God damn it if it isn't Timothy Oliphant. There you go. <laughs> so they must have get, gone. Let's put him in there because it's so funny that he's going to be the uh, sheriff, you know? I think that, um, that, that that show was also produced by Graham Yost. He, it is produced by Graham Yost. I noticed that too. And was not uh, Slow Horses produced by Graham Yost? Correct. Uh, yes. So there you go. Correct. Two two Graham well, Yost efforts. And Graham Yost also um, produced one of your favorite movies, Speed. 
He wrote it. That's right. That's right. He did. He wrote it. Yeah. What an interesting character. He's also the son of someone who is beloved for anyone who grew up in Ontario, yeah. who's like our age. Yeah. We all grew up watching Saturday night at the movies yeah. with Elwi Yost, Graham's dad. Yeah. And Elwi Yost, everybody who sees Elwi Yost is in love with Elwi Yost. <laughs> he's the most wonderful man. And he's just like a guy who loves movies. And would talk about movies and have guests and show yes. old movies and had yes. so much affection for them. Yes. And he would also go like to L.A. and interview classic actors. So the archive on his work is incredible. I, they should be streaming that. Oh, I would love to see some of those yeah. interviews again. I would, I would watch all of the L.E.O.'s chosen movies again. I used to watch uh, Saturday Night Movies with my dad. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, that was like stay home. Who wants to go out? You got to stay home and we watch got Elwi. Yep, I mean, who's the most unlikely host you could ever imagine? But right. he's he was fabulous and well, and as I say, lovable. Right before quarantine, before we even knew there would be a pandemic, you and I were talking. I said, I'm going to start a new hobby. I'm going to learn how to play poker, maybe well. And so I got all these charts. I made notes. I built a big um. I built a chart that was like two, three, two feet by three feet with all the ways of like dealer up card, dealer up card, dealer up card versus when you should stand and when you should double if allowed. Don't split the pair, split the pair, split only if um, dealer is um, offering. So I had all these things. I looked at them. The pandemic happened. Quarantine happened. The group of people I was going to play poker with, forget about it. Now they continue to play poker through the pandemic. So they, they have a whole lifestyle of playing poker. But anyway, I pulled it out. I, I had my friend here and I was showing her this and she said, come on, you got to come and play poker. And somehow um, I played poker on Saturday and I did win. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Good for you. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they, if, you know, if they knew about the number business and Cormac, yeah. um, they wouldn't play poker with you. They would just <laughs> say, she's a card counter. She knows the numbers. Well, I do have pattern recognition, which I'm hoping I can have in the game. What I did learn that first night. Now, this is, I'm going to call this beginner's luck. However, I did play Texas Hold'em before. We played Texas Hold'em. And I have played it before back when I worked at Strategers. Um, we would stay up all night and don't tell anybody I'm telling you this, but we'd stay after hours and we would play poker upstairs in the back. And um, so I did do it. I won't tell anyone if you don't. Yeah, don't tell anybody. So um, I do have, I had such insecurity. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. But the other night I thought, oh, maybe I, maybe I do understand. And then what was really the extra fun part was realizing, oh, I'm really going to get to know these people. I, I, I know them a little bit. But I'm, now I'm seeing them playing cards. It's a whole new ball game. At one point, the reason I did well was because I knew that it was a bullshit bet one of them made. So I just went all in, you know. I just put it. I just matched their bets, and and I won. And I only had like a pair of twos or something. Well, um, you know, my father was a pro, a poker player. Yes. At one time, as a young man, he was. Well, that's how he made part of his living was playing poker <laughs> and betting the horses before he met my mom and 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 oh and, and playing in a jazz band and she got she tamed all the good stuff out of him right like all that stuff um so he he would only play poker occasionally but he used to go once a year um some people that he that he did some work for had this we called it a do 
it was uh it was a yearly do it was in bob cajun and they would stay in like a lodge and go fishing during the day and then play poker and my dad had the temerity to bring his kid because that just wasn't done uh-huh. not me and my job when they were playing poker was i would make sure everybody was had beers beers yes. and clean ashtrays <laughs> That's uh, that's the stuff you want your kids doing, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So every year, my dad won everybody's money at poker, and I got to see him in action at that time. Um, and I actually saw him fall asleep while oh, playing, and and when it was his turn to to bet, somebody elbowing him, and he yeah. looked up and said, "I raise." <laughs> he took everybody's money every year. Oh, my wow. dad used to say poker. Poker is not a game of luck. It's a, it's a game of money management. Uh, because, Interesting. Because over time, the cards yes. are going to even out. Yes. So it's all about maximizing your good hands and minimizing your losses. Um, and I that's the way that's about how it. I approached it the other night, very much like that. Um, the other thing um, that Not he that said, I would ever condone gambling or that I am gambling or anything like that. I would never condone that. Not what, at all. What my father believed was that you should always gamble within your means yes. and you, you have to consider gambling your entertainment. Yes. So if you were going to say, go out on the town, go to a club, have dinner, go for drinks, you might spend a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, that my dad would bring that couple hundred bucks to the poker game <laughs> and he would expect. How to nice piss for your away. mother. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, he would, he would expect to piss it away. Yes. You know, because it's his entertainment money. Yes. And if yes. you expect to piss it away, if you need to make a big bet, you can do it because yes. it's not the mortgage money. Correct. And, and I think that that's how I would look at casino money too, yeah. is if you're at the casino and you're having drinks and you're playing a slot machine, you're not spending more than you would spend for dinner. That's or right. It's your entertainment money. Entertainment and, and my money. father said, as long as you're doing that, you're never going to be in trouble. Um, And he also said he was a horse better too. And and he said, if you're a $5 better and you win, you bet on a long shot, long shot, and you win a couple hundred dollars. Well, the next, the next race um, you bet, well, you bet $5. You don't bet $50 because you just won a couple hundred. You're a $5 better. You're comfortable with the $5 bet. And that's what you do. So he was very, very disciplined about whatever his bet was fascinating world gambling i don't have that gambling gene right right. i have the gaming gene yeah it's not far off like i like to play go i'm interested in chess Mm -hmm. Uh, i like to play cards but i couldn't care less about gambling right but i do feel they are slightly related i think the thing with gambling and especially with your father's attitude is um definitely i have come to learn that money in a card game is a good idea um, that doesn't mean I want to put any money down with you playing canasta or anything, though. <laughs> in high school, I, I played uh, backgammon for money. There you go. And I was a very good backgammon player. Nice. Uh, it has a lot of luck in backgammon, but there's some skill involved. And yeah. part of the skill is uh, knowing when to double. So knowing when to, uh, how to assess how you're doing and basically intimidate your opponent into giving up. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I can play Canasta. I don't need money on a Canasta game. I, just the sheer will to power that I experience for wanting to win is you know, enough. Hey, next time, <laughs> next time we're in the same town, yeah. let's we get some cards play. and play some Canasta. I, I haven't know, played because... that in what, 30 years? I don't know. 
Right. I haven't played in quite a long time. Probably. Oh, I don't want to. Maybe 20 years. I'm sure it was with you when I last played. Right. So let's do that. And I have a couple other people that want to learn, too. So in Toronto. So excellent. My family. Uh We would call them victims. (laughs) (laughs) But if I was playing, let's say, some euchre or something, I could understand why we would put money on the board, on the table. And I'm not talking hundreds. I'm talking about a little bit just to, you know, just to have some fun. Yes, you know when my dad had his weekly bridge game with yeah. with with his buddies, they would play for half a cent a point. Um, and what what that would mean is that if somebody had a good night, he could go home with sixty bucks or something. Right, right, right. So it's like it's enough that oh yeah, I showed them, I won. That's what um, you want. You want some rivalry with your good friends. <laughs> that's right. Um, but it's not like you're taking your friend's mortgage money. Right. So, so. I think we're coming to the end of this. Um, uh, just conversation. I did want to talk to you about quickly that I've been researching as an approach to art critique. I've been using um, the lens of the science of magic and the science of surprise, which is tying back to the little thing I was saying about. So that's with my paper. I've been reading some great research on surprise and on magic. So that's what I've been up to just to follow through with the rest of my story of um are you bringing up bonnie uh sorry as we're talking bonnie is like she's interested in in playing with gracie the cat and i'm just distracting her okay cute i thought you were gonna bring her up to the camera um yeah so that's what i've been kind of doing on the side with uh, my paper and um i've told more about my paper on this podcast than i usually ever would um because i wait for the reveal but i feel pretty confident our listeners are not gonna tell anybody at the conference what I've talked about here today. (laughs) Hey, Candy, it's great to have a podcast with you. It's great to have a podcast with you. We should do it again. (laughs) Let's let's do it again. And you know what? We're not going to tell you when we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again sometime soon. Right. But the good news is if you are following us on our podcast, I think it sends your phone a notification. Cool. And we will do notifications on facebook as well and, and i'll put something yeah. on my blog as well just to let yeah. people know we are back and uh uh we're looking forward to more podcasts and uh we're we're cooking up some interesting guests in the future yeah uh, so um we'll see you soon see you soon bye bye everybody is wondering what and where they all came from Everybody is worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. Think out, just let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever. And some say you're gonna come back. Some say you're resting in the arms of the Savior who's been sent the way she lies. Some say that they're coming back in the garden, but your carrot's a little sweet. Think out, just let the mystery be. Everybody is wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. And no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. Think out, yes, let the mystery be.